Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm an alcoholic. Hi. In hindsight, I probably shouldn't have sat all the way in the back and had to walk through here. And uh, but uh, thank you, Andy, for asking me to be a part of this and and and. Devin, for your beautiful talk on step one. I will step on your toes a couple times here because I can't get to step three until I talk to you about how completely and utterly broken I was when I came in here. The fact that I drove two hours today to talk to you about my relationship with God is something that is absolutely unbelievable to me. If you knew who I was before I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, that was never going to be on my radar. I was never going to get in my car and talk to you about a power greater than myself or a relationship with God. I wanted nothing to do with that. I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. I had a conception of God that had not worked for me for my entire life. I was brought up in the church, and I was brought up praying around food, and I was brought up in, with a God that felt like it was so far away from me that I couldn't reach it, and a God I felt judged by, and a God I felt abandoned by, and a God who I could not connect with. And uh, when I come in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I want nothing to do with this spiritual experience. I'm totally okay going on to the bitter end, blotting out existence, rather than accept spiritual help. Because it is too painful for me and too frightening for me to consider the possibility that this power is going to transform my life. Even though I've witnessed it in other people and I've watched sober people come into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and I see it all around me every time I step in a meeting, I certainly don't believe that that redemption, that freedom, that joy that you've all experienced is something that is available to an alcoholic like me. Because of the person who I come in Alcoholics Anonymous as is the woman who abandoned her children for alcohol, the woman who stepped over every person she ever loved for alcohol. And I come in here thinking I was, I was choosing that that I chose to be the way I was, that I chose to, you know, alcohol over my children, my family, my parents, and, um, and I believed that to my very core, and I come in, you know, covered in shame, and I, and I don't think I can find a way out of it, and it wasn't until I was completely and utterly broken and alcohol had its way with me, and I had exhausted every other option other than spirituality. I exhausted the men, I exhausted the jobs, the money, bringing babies into this world, human powers all over the place. I exhausted every single one of them. And then finally, you present me with a spiritual kit of tools, and, and I have nothing else left to pick them up but to pick them up. That's it. My first come to believe was coming to believe in the hopelessness and futility of the life that I had been living. That was it. I just was convinced that I could not go on the way I was living. Sobriety had become too painful, and drinking wasn't working anymore. It just wasn't an option for me. So it had to be God. But I didn't know how to turn my will and my life over to the care of something that I, I, I was afraid of and that I didn't think loved me in return. You know, it's interesting. I come into Alcoholics Anonymous and you tell me I have to turn my will and my life over to this power. And I'm like, absolutely not. But at the age of 15, when I picked up a drink, I turned my will and my life over to the care of alcohol. And I did that for 20 plus years. And alcohol was my God and my master. And I gave it everything. I fed it everything. And there was nothing I would not have done for this power. Nothing. But I come into AA and I'm terrified to turn my will and my life over to this care that you guys are talking about, a care of a loving God, a care of a forgiving God. And like, like Devin so beautifully laid out, I had to throw out every conception I had of this power, this, this idea that God was Santa Claus, was supposed to perform my will for me, was supposed to give me the things that I wanted. And if this God didn't do that for me, there was, you know, that God didn't love me or God wasn't there for me. And I come in Alcoholics Anonymous and... Uh, and I witnessed God in the, in the eyes of a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous, a woman I drank with, who I knew was just like me, and she was sober, and her entire deportment, her whole deportment shouted she had an answer, and I knew she didn't do that. I knew in that moment that there must be something going on here that was bigger than me. 
And this third step experience for me has, has, has a bit of an evolution in the 10 years that I've been sober. Because coming in, my first third step experiences, you know, similar to what Devin says, like, I believe it works in you. And I get on my knees and I say this third step prayer, right? And I miss this moment where I make the most important decision I've ever made in my entire life. I miss it because I'm too obsessed with myself. I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about kneeling on the floor, holding this woman's hand. Other people in the recovery house looking at us and like, what do they think of me? Oh, my God, I'm praying in public. Part of my story is that I was brought up by these parents who went like we would pray in McDonald's over our food. And I had a lot of shame and embarrassment around that. So I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, my God, I'm saying these words, these beautiful words. And I don't even know what they mean, but I'm so broken. I'm just so utterly broken that I'm like, whatever this woman tells me to do, I'm going to do. And that's what happened. I got up from the prayer and I'm not going to step on, you know, go into this this four and five. But like it, it says it right over on that next page, this decision is a vital and crucial step but could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of what was blocking me. And that's when everything started to kick off. My decision in that moment was to continue through with this work and take action and have that experience that Devin was talking about, to experience God. You know, I didn't know that's what we were doing here. I come in and I recognize, I, I know I don't have any power. I've conceded that to my innermost self. I don't have the power to do this because if I had the power to stop, I would have done it the first time you took one of my my babies away from me. I would have stopped then, but I couldn't. I didn't have the power to do that. I wanted to. I had moral and philosophical convictions galore. I wanted to be a good mom. I wanted to be a good daughter and sister, mother, wife, all of these things, but I did not have the power to do that. You know, and and that's how I come in Alcoholics Anonymous with this knowledge that I don't have power anymore, but I have to find this power. And not only do I have to find this power, but I have to develop a relationship with this power and turn my will and my life over to this power. Well, what the hell does that look like? How do I even do that? How do I turn my will and my life over to something I can't see, something I don't even understand? And, And initially, my initial experience with this step is like, I do what you guys are telling me to do. You guys direct my life for me because I can't do it anymore. When you tell me to pray, I pray. And I don't understand even what I'm praying. You guys had to teach me how to pray because every prayer I ever said was selfish and was self-serving. That's it. Like, please get me out of prison. You know, please, someone pay my bill. Please, you know, whatever it is, get me some money. Fix this relationship. Bring him back to me. Like, that's what my prayers look like. And so I come into Alcoholics Anonymous and you're telling me, oh my God, I'm not praying for myself anymore. You guys teach me how to pray, and you tell me when to pray, and you guys tell me when to write, and you guys tell me when to amend something, and you tell me when to go out in the world and try to help one of God's kids, right, and try to carry this message to somebody other than myself and and get out of my own way, like this program of subtraction, removing me from the equation, and I start to have this experience. All of it is in hindsight. I look back, and I realize that moment on that floor of that recovery house holding that woman's hand was absolutely sacred. That sacred moment where my head was a mess and I was too busy being embarrassed that I turned everything over in that moment and my life started to change 
And I would love to stand up here and tell you I made that decision and that's it. That's it. I made the decision. I don't need to do anything else anymore. Turned it all over. And like these steps, none of them are one and done. Absolutely not, especially for an alcoholic like me, because on any given day, I am convinced I am sold on the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only I manage it well. I just was an hour ago when I was checking to see if the approval on my house went through. Like, that's it. Like, I want to know, why isn't they, you know, the mortgage agent getting back to me? Why isn't this working on my timeline? Like, I need this to happen. I need this to happen. On any given day, my mind is convincing me that I need out here to look okay for me to be okay in here. And I, I, I will believe that lie if I am not actively involved in this work and I am actively in these steps. You know, aligning my will with God's. You know, I have two voices in my head. I have the loud alcoholic voice that is full of stage characters, that is full of all these survival skills. And this is that God of reason that it talks about in We Agnostic. And I worship this God. I am a smart woman and I know I can figure this out and I can know I can put this life together and I know I can fix this problem over here. And then there's the other voice, the still small voice that is deep within my soul, that quiet voice that's God. And the only way I can get to it is to shut this down. But how do I do that? The steps are a perfect outline of how we shut our brains down and how we remove self from the equation so I can hear that still small voice within me, that guiding force that is a power greater than myself. That God that I'm looking for in a church, in a man, in money, in all of these other places was the, that always deep down inside me. I didn't know that. I had no idea until you beautiful people in Alcoholics Anonymous showed me and directed me and helped me find that power. And, and here's, the, here's the insane part of what, how, my alcoholism, how, how my alcoholism works, right? I, uh, I, I come in and I have this amazing experience and I watch these miracles God has performed me in, in, in my life. One of the biggest ones being the fact that I'm actually sober. <laughs> because the reality is, is like I, for 20 plus years, I woke up with an active, active obsession to drink. And, that, and, and I gave everything to alcohol. And the fact that I'm living one day at a time not picking up a drink is an absolute miracle. But then what happens is that my life starts to get better on the outside. I start getting the job and I start getting a relationship and I start getting things back, stuff back and my ego comes into play. And I start thinking I did that. I start thinking that I was responsible for this drastic change in my life, this psychic change and it absolutely has nothing to do with me. And then I look around my life at the things that I have and I don't wanna let go of them. They're my things now. And this is the way my life is supposed to look. And I don't even realize that I'm back to running the whole show again. You know, it was this part of the book that I found out what my real problem was. You know, coming in, I think it's alcohol and other things. And I'm not saying those things are not a problem because once they're in my body, they absolutely are. Like, um, they are definitely a problem. But once I put it down, this is where my, my real problem begins. And I didn't know that. I don't know that until I have an experience of, I don't know, sitting in a prison cell when I first, you know, had my, you know, got separated from alcohol for 18 months with no chemical or spiritual solution in my life. And I'm just sitting there a dry drunk and I'm an absolute selfish monster who's calling home to my parents on a phone account they pay for, you know, telling them what they need to do for me or, you know, long apology letters home about I'm sorry. 
but if you were better parents, I wouldn't be here. P.S. and money, you know, and that's how I show up when you remove alcohol from me and you don't replace it with another solution. That's how I show up. And that can return at any given time. The second I stop doing this work, because it says later on in the book, and I won't step on anyone else's toes with this, but what we get is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. I come in thinking one day at a time is like I come in, I sit in a chair, I hold on to my seat, and I shoot for midnight. Wanting to fucking kill myself. Sorry, but like that's what I really am. Like that's what I'm convinced of. And that's what I think the rest of my life is supposed to look like one day at a time. But that doesn't sound like freedom to me. It doesn't sound like freedom to me. But what, I, what I've come to learn is one day at a time for the rest of my life, if I maintain my spiritual condition and my connection with God, I can experience freedom. I can get well. And when I'm well and when I'm spiritually fit, sobriety is the byproduct. I don't need a drink to fix me anymore. A drink doesn't have to be the solution anymore. And that's what I've been, you know, that's been the experience. But, you know, I, I unfortunately struggle staying in that place. Some days I get up in the morning and I'm absolutely convinced of what needs to happen in my life in order for me to be okay. And I can fall deeply asleep in that narrative, in that story. I can, you know, be hypnotized by the stage characters and the voices in my head that say, if this relationship, if you don't fix this with him, you're going to die alone. So put up with all that garbage, put up with the lies, put up with the cheating, put up with the drinking, put up with all that stuff. This is sober, by the way. This is sober. So let me turn my will and my life over to the care of God for me, but I'll fix him. I'll fix him. I got this, God. Don't you worry about it. Like, this is what current agnosticism looks like in my life when I'm not doing this work and when I'm not aligning my will with God. And it leads to a lot of pain. It leads a lot to a lot of current suffering if I'm not, you know, seeking God and trying to move out of my own way. And that takes a lot of work. And again, it involves inventory and prayer and all the work that we do in the later steps. Every single time I've had the experience of stepping out of my own way, I've seen what God can do for me. I've seen it. Like, you know, I... I had a, a few years ago, I was stuck. No, not even. It was last year. I'm sorry, I'm insane. But uh, last year, I was at this job. I'd been in it for five years. And, it, you know, I, I'm, you know, it was okay. I made okay money. Things are going really well. But I'm just like, I don't think I'm ever going anywhere here. And I started applying for jobs like crazy. And I'm going all around. I'm like applying here, applying here. You know, this is what I need to be okay. I need this job. I need, and I'm getting shot down, but I'm also getting job offers. And then I'm sitting there going, weighing the pros and cons, right? Using the God of reason to try to figure out what my employment should look like. So I should, this place pays more money, but it's in Jersey and I don't feel like taking the bridge and, you know, back and forth and back and forth. And it was making my head crazy. It's impossible to live in the, in the place of peace and the place of God when I'm, a, when I'm relying on the God of reason and I'm going back and forth in my head about what I should and should not do, right? Finally, I, I had a job interview and the, you know, I canceled. I just didn't want to do this anymore. I had that moment where I was just like sick of living this way. And I canceled this job interview. I called them up and I said, listen, I don't want to waste your time. I'm busy today. I can't do it. And they said, well, you know, call us back if you change your mind in the next couple of days. I'm like, sure, with no intention of doing that, none whatsoever. And uh, I, I met up with my sponsor that night and I was talking to her and, and she asked me how the job hunt was going. And I was like, I'm done. 
like I'm going to graduate college soon. When, when that happens, I'll see where God wants me. But I'm pretty sure, like I had this peace. And then 24 hours later, the managing partner for that job I had applied for called me himself and said, I need you to come in. This resume is amazing. And uh, that man not only sat in front of me and offered me a job, but he offered it knowing I'm an 11-time felon, that I'm an alcoholic in recovery, and he offered it to me anyway. Coming from a job where I had to lie about who I was every single day and not tell anybody. This is what God does for me when I step out of my way and I, and I allow God to do God's will for me. The only problem is I forget that. I forget that. I think I need this, I need this, I need this. And here's another hard truth. Sometimes God's will sucks. It really does. It really does. It really sucked in 2015 when my sister died. That that was God's will. Because my will, Sarah's will, is that she's still here with me. That's what my will would be, but my sister suffered horribly, and I don't consider that. I take reality personally. I take life personally. God did this to me. He took my sister from me, and I got this experience where God was present in all of that. And I felt God, and I felt this power flow within me, and God carried me through that. And I knew God was present, but it doesn't mean I like it. It doesn't mean I like it. And it doesn't mean a month ago when my baby brother died of this disease (laughs) that I was at all okay with this because sometimes God's will sucks. And my will for my brother was that he sit down with a man like Devin and he go through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and he has an experience that I had that he wake up. In our last phone conversation, we argued because my will was that he take accountability for his life and stop blaming mommy and daddy. That was Sarah's will. And thank God for the 12 steps and his sponsor and and the willingness to take suggestions. I cleaned that up before he died. But my will is that he get this. And when he died, that was not my will. It is not my will to lose my brother. It is not my will to watch my parents suffer. It is not my will to be in this pain. It wasn't my will to carry him in a little box on my lap to a funeral home. That was not my will. But God's will was something bigger. I just couldn't see it. And I still some days can't see it. My brother was suffering every day of his life of untreated alcoholism. And I know what that looks like. I know what it feels like to be in this place so full of shame and fear that you can't even breathe unless you have a drink in you. And I know that he just didn't have the power to be different. And maybe, just maybe, God took him away because he was in too much pain. And maybe, just maybe, it isn't about me. And that is the hard part of this step of aligning my will with a power greater than myself because I have an idea in my head of what my life is supposed to look like. And oftentimes God's idea and my idea are just not the same thing. But what I get with these steps and this work and, and, you know, doing my best to perfect and enlarge my spiritual life and my relationship with God is I get a peace that passes all understanding in those moments. And at some point... The peace will settle in my heart about my brother. I mean, I cried the entire way here, and I had no idea how I was going to get up here and do this talk today. It's just been really hard. But the one thing that has guided me through this entire thing is my relationship with God through Alcoholics Anonymous. I wake up in the morning and I ask God, what is your will for me? Like, how do I do this? 
And I do my best to quiet that, that voice in my head, those stage characters that tell me, you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to... Listen, I'll find weird things to obsess about in order to avoid the pain. Like, I really will. I, I, my brain does not want to feel the ache in my heart. So my, my mind will try to protect me. These stage characters want to protect me. From what? Feeling the loss, feeling my heart, feeling what's in here. And like that work, that decision that I have to take every day, sometimes make this decision multiple times a day, is to take it from here to here, move it from my head into my heart. And that's hard. That's hard because it's easier to obsess about buying a house than it is to mourn the death of my brother. It's easier to do that. It's easier to focus on something I feel like I can control, the delusion that I can control Anything is easier than feeling what's going on in my heart. But one day at a time, if I get up and I make this decision in the morning and at noon when, when I show back up again loud, <laughs> convinced my boss is going to fire me for no reason, you know, in those kind of bizarre ways, when I make that decision, the peace returns. And sometimes I have to make this decision 100 times a day. Sometimes I have to go back to this over and over and over again. What does it say? To God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt relieve me of the bondage of self. That bondage of self is these, it's, it's not you that's the problem. It's me. It's every, it's the way I see the world. It's my perception. Relieve me of the voices in my head, the narrative, the story. Relieve me of this, my mind. Sometimes my prayer is simply protect me from my mind because that's how bad it can be. But, you know, but that's so powerful because that bondage is a very real, real thing. Once I, I, I let those stage characters take over and once those voices in my head are louder than everything else, I am driven by them. It says we are driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-seeking, self-delusion, self-pity, like driven. These things are driving me around, making my decisions for me, deciding who I should be in a relationship with, deciding what I should buy, deciding how I should react to people. Like they make Make all the decisions for me. If I don't go to God and if I don't do my, what I can to quiet these voices through prayer, meditation, whatever it is, they're going to take over. They're going to take over. And then I'm back to the shame that you talked about, sober, making horrible decisions, sober, having a, an eight-year sober and a men's list that was 26 people long, sober. And these weren't like, oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off in traffic amends. They were big. Um, you know, because I am my problem. Al you know, it's selfishness and self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our troubles. Not alcohol. Not alcohol. Who knew, right? Alcohol was doing something for me. I was actually talking to a friend of mine the other day about how I... There were, there were ways that I called le caused less harm when I was getting loaded. I'm not saying I didn't hurt people. Like, I don't ever buy into that, 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 that lie that I'm, you know, my drinking only harms me. I'm talking about... I, you know, I experienced that sense of ease and comfort, and I was nice. I don't care. Like, sure. Okay. But, like, you get me driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-seeking, self-pity, all of that, forget it. I step on the toes of my fellows, and they, you know, I all over the place. Because I think, not only do I think I know how I should live, but I'm absolutely convinced of how you should live. And what you need to feel better. And like, I, I, I will be completely sold on this idea. And then I give you this script. 
in my head, by the way. You've never actually gotten the script. Um, but there's a script. And if you deviate from it, there comes the resentment. Setting myself up for all the problems that come after or... You know, and, and that's the whole thing. And, and uh, that's it. Like, that's the biggest delusion. I, I had that delusion long before I came in Alcoholics Anonymous. Actually, long before I picked up a drink, I had a delusion. that It had everything to do with the outside and nothing to do with the inside. Like, even when I was a little kid, if I just had more friends, if my parents would just stop moving around, you know, <laughs> you know, if, if all of these things, if we had more money, I would be okay. All, I, I've always fallen victim to that delusion. Then as I got older, well, you know, if I just get married like my sisters and have like the 2.5 children, I didn't even want to be a mother, by the way. I had babies because I thought they would bring me satisfaction. I thought that if I did things on the outside, they would make me okay inside. And today, uh, you know, I can still believe that. I can still, like, dress up the outside and have all these great things going on. And I can walk out and see my brand new car and be like, there's one ding in it. Well, you know what? This is garbage. This is garbage. Like, it's just like I, I, this is, this is for me, has probably been one of the hardest journeys in Alcoholics Anonymous is understanding which voice to listen to. I wish they sounded different. Oftentimes, my, the voice in my head sounds a lot like God. I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm sure he's reformed now. I'm sure he's a better dude. Let me get back together with him more. You know, like, <laughs> sure, he's telling the truth this time. Like, you know, I, I, like, I want to believe it. Why do I want to believe it? Because I want my will to be God's will. That's all it is. That's all it is. And, and when I'm able to step out of my own, own way, and when I'm able, able to truly, you know, turn my will and my life over to the care of God... Miracles happen. Miracles happen like walking through all this pain and all this loss and not once thinking about picking up a, a drink and being of maximum service to God and my family and my mom and my dad and my sisters. And, you know, I, I, I remember, you know, I'm going off a little here, but I, um, when I made amends to my mother, um, and I'm not going to get into the amends thing, but I made an amends to my, my mother, um, I asked what could I could do to make it right, and she said, I need you to be a living example of recovery to your brother. And I was on the phone with her the other day, and I, um, I said, Mom, do you, remember, do you remember when I made, I made my amends to you, and do you remember what you asked me to do, and do you think I failed? And my father was in the car, and I didn't know this, right? I said this in this moment, and I didn't know it, and they both chimed up at the same time, no, loud, emphatic, no. And my father jumped in and he said, no, in fact, it was the opposite. Everybody was shocked that he didn't get it after witnessing your transformation. For years, for years, I've been trying to align my will with God's and I failed in every single way. But even failing at it miserably, I get to be a representative of Alcoholics Anonymous in the power of God because that's what the second part, that's what the rest of the prayer says, right? Take away my difficulties, difficulties so that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And that's what happens when this power is in me. I get to bear witness not with my words. Like Devin said, I can get up here and I can talk about spiritual principles and, and go out here and, and fail miserably at that. But 
when I am in line with God and I'm, I'm in line with this work and this power is flowing through me, my life bears a witness to those I would help and even those who I wasn't able to help. But I know I'm helpful to my family today. I know that. And I know I'm a mother today. And I know that. I know that God bears, you know, I bear witness to my daughter of the power of these steps. That, that, that girl didn't have a mother her, her entire life up until she was 18 years old. She had no mother. And now she does. My life bears witness to other people in Alcoholics Anonymous that you can stay sober and pick up a drink through loss. My life bears witness to the fact, I, listen, I have a son I haven't seen in 16 years. My child was taken from me, and rightly so, by the way. I was a dangerous woman, and I was a danger to my child, and he was taken from me, and he, was ne- he never was returned, and I have been trying to make an amends for many, many years now, and that is not being received. My life is still bearing witness to the fact that even though my boy, who I love dearly and would do anything to make this right with, even though he has not forgiven me, my life bears witness that we stay sober through anything when we do this work, when we remain willing, when we have a connection with God. And my hope in my heart is that eventually my life will bear witness to him that I am not the person I used to be and that God has transformed me. Like to be this living representative of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That would me would be, you know, the, the aim and the goal here. And that's why like we don't pray for ourselves anymore. When you guys taught me that, like my whole idea of God changed. My whole idea of what God was supposed to be and what God was supposed to do for me. God wasn't supposed to, you know... You know, we talk about a life beyond our wildest dreams. I come in here and I think that's a six-figure income and a hot guy and, like, all this other. I think it's all out here. A life beyond our wildest dreams doesn't have anything to do with that. A life beyond our wildest dreams that talks, it, it, I, I believe for me, is that, that peace that passes all understanding through anything. The ability to walk through life gracefully and not so gracefully through painful situations without a thought of a drink and without hurting people. And when I do, having the power to let go and you know, admit that I'm wrong, like knowing that it's more important, like what happened with my brother, that it was more important to love him than be right. And that's what this step means to me is aligning my will with God one day at a time and getting up and asking God to direct me, making that decision to have God direct me rather than have my fear direct me, my self-seeking desires direct me. My self-pity direct me, drive me around. And the only way I know how to do that is through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and through a relationship with you and through transparency and honesty and connection and love and God. You know, before I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, all I ever wanted to do was feel connected to something greater than myself. I picked up a drink and that happened. I did. But eventually that, that connection led me to deep isolation and fear and loneliness. The 12 steps brought me back to that place of connection and love and brought me to God, brought me to this relationship with God. And no matter how imperfectly I have practiced these 12 steps or continue to imperfectly practice these perfect principles, that connection is still there. And it can be there one day at a time for the rest of my life. All I have to do is continue to make this decision to turn my will and my life over to a power that is not me and step out of my own way 
and trust that God can do what, for me what I cannot do for myself. And I am not special, and I'm not great at this, and I'm not unique. The freedom that we experience here is available to every single person. We just have to work for it. I don't have anything We're going to do another break and then get rolling in the next one.